Hey everybody, it's Matt here. And before we get to the episode today, I just want to invite you to slay this giant of sexual sin with us. I want to invite you to consider doing an event with us. We have so many different kinds of events that we could do. There's events for men, there's events for men and women, events for parents, for youth, for young adults. There's Sunday morning preaching. Um, some of the events that we do are for our one-time things and some are weekend-long conferences. And so if this is on your heart and you'd like to address sexuality and porn in your church or in your circle, in your ministry or whatever that might look like, uh, I would invite you to go to restoredministries.ca slash events. You can see what's possible there with some things that we've done in the past. And we're also very flexible with working with different event organizers and, and churches in what it can look like for their particular setting. And so if you have it on your heart to carry the message forward of, of freedom and wholeness and health over sexual brokenness, I would love to chat about what that might look like. Go to restoredministries.ca slash events. And at the bottom of the page, you'll see my email and feel free to email me. We can hop on a Zoom call together and look at what doing an event together might look like for you. Welcome to the Pure Victory Podcast, full of hot tips to help you win at sex, conquer porn, and find purpose in staying free forever. Here are your hosts, Matt Klein and Braden Hafner. Hey, hey, welcome back to your Victory Podcast. You know, I'm starting to do that in my normal real life, eh? I just, hey, 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 yeah, Matt Klein. Just talking to people at church. Hey, hey, hey. I'm like, oh, man. <laughs> I hope they don't listen to podcasts. And they're like, am I, am I being interviewed right now? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I have another story of a time that you uh, you met someone for the first time. Oh, uh, you should do, I share do. that today? <laughs> you've been you've been threatening for like two years. To this one. <laughs> uh, oh my goodness! Anyways, I better share it because I mentioned it. You have to. Okay, know. okay, we'll have do it now. Know. So we were shooting this video for uh, a conference we were doing a few years back, Pre- and we pre-COVID. Re- report, we were recording all these demo videos and all these kind of uh, advertisements for this conference. There were like I think there were like eleven sessions, so we did a one minute. Yeah video for each so 11 different right. videos so we're in the studio working with these guys and uh to make it look like uh, every video was going to be different we would change clothes so we're changing shirts here every time that we do a new video and we have this team in there filming us well sure enough this one guy comes in he was the district coach uh for the this particular uh district that we were working with yeah everybody, and everybody knows brad because he's more famous than i am so <laughs> yeah. i was the new kid on the block he hadn't met matt yet but anyways matt was behind this guy his back was to matt and he was talking to me and we were just chatting and matt's he pulled his shirt off the change and he tapped this guy in the shoulder said hey matt so he turns around matt has no shirt he's shirtless the guy had come into the room matt had a shirt on now he turned around, no shirt. <laughs> He's like, whoa, hand. whoa, whoa. Yeah. I don't know. Like, what's going on here? Is take, this how you introduce yourself? Take my shirt off, <laughs> stick my hand out. Jeremiah, I'm Matt. Nice yeah. to meet you. So this is, uh, I've been joking him for a, with him for a long time that every time he meets somebody, he has to take his shirt off. And that's just the way he does it. <laughs> it's been it's been a long time <laughs> putting up with these jokes. But yeah, oh man. Our, our listeners know I give it to you too. So. <laughs> that's right. Oh, we, and we have a guest on here. Poor Mark. It, it uh, was, he's, it, he's, he's having to sit through our story here. Mark, first I, time I met you i'm not taking my shirt off so <laughs> we're not going to make it weird <laughs> great <laughs> uh, i want to say too the, the next time i saw jeremiah this guy 
he and he's funny jeremiah's got a yeah. good sense of humor so the next time i saw him i was at this coffee shop with my wife and a different couple and then we get up and we're just like walking towards each other jeremiah and our and i are in the coffee shop but we didn't know each other was there so the moment we locked eyes i started unbuttoning my shirt and he just looked at me he's like no <laughs> put his hand out <laughs> don't do it That's oh, funny. so man. yeah I'll, I'll never live that one down at the half household <laughs> You know, there's that book, how to how to uh, win friends, win friends and influence, influence people. people. That wasn't a chapter I read. No, it's take just your some, shirt off. It's just yeah. something I added to it. <laughs> yeah, I could right. <laughs> modern day, <laughs> modern day version. Yeah, we got Mark with us too, and I love Mark. I, I had the opportunity to do coaching with Mark, and I see I'm changing the subject. Come like, okay, that's enough. <laughs> Uh, no, no. I I had the opportunity to do some coaching with Mark earlier this year, and such a cool journey transformation um I, I remember when we were first starting i couldn't stop talking about not you i keep things anonymous but just your story i was so excited about the change that we were seeing in you and um you know pretty some pretty dark stuff in your past both things that you did and things that were done to you but what god has done with that and what he's done with you more importantly is it's amazing and so it was really cool for me to be able to party be a part of your journey and i just started you know, saying to Mark, hey, you got to tell your story. And so he's had an opportunity to, with different people in his church, and now we're, we're going to get it out here. And so I'm excited to have you, Mark. And thanks for being willing to be vulnerable with your story here. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's mm. awesome. It's a privilege for us. And just to start off, Mark, maybe a little background. Let's get in a little background of you and, and kind of your story and you can kind of go wherever you want, but uh, we'd love to kind of get a, a snapshot picture of, you know, leading into your story, so to speak of, of what happened in your formative years and, and maybe share what you want out of that. Yeah. Had a uh, pretty rough childhood. Um, had a father that was very, very abusive, very emotionally, physically abusive, uh, would say things like, I'm disappointed in you. I just don't like what you do. You could do things better. Never really heard the words, I love you, or I'm proud of you, or I accept you. So really felt a lot of shame and just really felt unwanted. So a lot of shame came into my life. Um, just wasn't sure who I was. He really was pushing me into sports and athletics and really wanted me to do the things he liked to do and not what I wanted to do. So really felt a lot of pressure and just felt just out of place. Like I didn't enjoy those sports. I didn't enjoy the competition and the athletics and just felt more discouraged, more um, incapable, unwanted, just didn't know who I was. About the age of eight, um, had an encounter with a friend down the street who was a boy about the same age and started exploring things uh, sexually and got to the point where he just got further and further into it. And he started uh, sodomizing me and molesting me and going places I thought I'd never go to. And you know, at first in that relationship, I felt, felt kind of um, conflicted because I felt good at first. I felt the pleasure but then it just started to hurt. And then I felt guilty and it's like, man, this isn't something I should be doing. Um, so a lot more shame creeped in, just felt hurt. I didn't know who to talk to. Uh, of course my dad was very 
you know, we don't talk about things, anything that's troubling or anything that's not positive. We don't talk about, we don't share anything outside the family. You know, you never discuss anything to anybody outside the family of what's going on, any struggles, anything in the family that's supposed to be secret. That's, that's part of it. So I was kind of trapped. I was like, man, I, I feel trapped in this relationship and I don't know what to do. And well, also Mark, also in those kinds of families where you don't talk outside the family, you don't, you often don't even talk within the family about issues that are happening. Right. Right. Yep. So it's all hidden. Um, yeah. Then during that whole time, I also had a older cousin that molested me as well. So just like, man, am, am I, you know, then I got the feeling that I was same sex attracted. Of course, I, at the time I was going to a Baptist church, we grew up in the church. My dad was a deacon. So very high up and yeah, that was a hard part too, is having a deacon as a father that's very strict, very disciplinary, you know, so I couldn't really talk to anybody in the church about what was going on, you know, just the, afraid of his, his wrath too. Yeah. Well, you, it doesn't you, matter, you, trying to please, treat, please my dad, please those in the church. And I really didn't feel connected to God at all. You know, I just didn't feel worthy of his love, worthy of his acceptance, worthy of any of this. Just thought I was just a very simple, simple guy that was lost. Right. And it makes total sense. And when you say the word lost, I'm thinking when you were growing up, um, like scripture says to train up a child in the way that he should go. What that actually means is according to his bent, like what, how God made him to be. And when you were trying to, or your dad was trying to force you to be the kind of kid that he was maybe, or uh, have you, you know, excel in activities that weren't your strength, but didn't engage with you in the things that you wanted. Of course you're confused. Of course you're lost. And, and, and then he's a deacon and all of that. I mean, to me, it makes so much sense why you got into the sexual bondage that you got into. And then you add into that, the confusion of sexual abuse and, you know, it's very, very damaging, of course, for women when they are sexually abused and it's often purely painful. And then on the male side, what you went through, it's painful, but also pleasurable too at the same time because you have an orgasm or whatever happens. And and so that's confusing. And I just sympathize for you or with you because I understand why you would get into the things that you got into. And so if you would be willing now, would you would you share about the things that you got into maybe as you grew up um, and into your adult years, um, sexually speaking? Yeah, right. Teenagers really got into pornography, uh, really heavy. Um, just that was kind of my go-to that would relieve a lot of the pain and the stress going on in my life. Because it was a quick, seemed like a quick fix. But of course, then afterwards, you're, that shame just comes over you again and it's just a cycle and the more shame you have the more you want to do it you just feel like well i'm not worthy i'm not valued so i might as well go ahead and do it just continue on in that so really got into a, a lot of pornography and just kept getting worse and worse like it's i had to see more violent or more damaging pornography you know just kept getting worse and worse you know tried to 
develop relationships with uh, men, you know, trying to see what it is I could do sexually, but not cross the line, I guess I would say, and just was so, so confused and lost and didn't know what to do. And, you know, just really couldn't connect with uh, girls. Just kind of had that fear of just that intimacy with girls. I'm not sure where that came from, but yeah, it's, so yeah, just uh, started living a double life where I would be professional, keep one side of me open to what people see. Um, ended up becoming a professional nurse. Uh, worked for that about six years and just really succeeded in that. Really did, did worked hard. I mean, I really developed a career and, but on the other side, I was, you know, living in pornography and, trying to find sexual relations with guys and um, got to the point where at the age of 35, I was arrested for uh, voyeurism and everything came to light. So it was publicized and I was like, oh my gosh, this is the end. And and it got to the point where it wasn't, um, if I was going to commit suicide as when, I just thought it was all over. Just that complete shame hit me. Yeah, I had this dirt, dirty secret for years and years nobody knew about. I thought I was okay with, but then when it came to light, I was like, oh my gosh, this is it. This is my life's over. But then, man, just things turned around and that was a turning point in my life. I was like, oh my gosh, this is is amazing that this is the point where I can uh, get help since people know, know about it and... I could go out and say, hey, I need help. Had some good friends that say, hey, we're we're here for you. Let's get you some help. And got into counseling. And at first, a lot of it was behavior management, which at times, you know, it, you know, do good for a while. And then it's like, oh, man, there's still something deep down in. It's a, the shame issue, the heart issue. And you'll do good for a while and then. Things will things will happen that you'll have that pain that comes up in life, and you'll want to go out and act out again. So it's been about a sixteen-year journey journey since I've been arrested and just seeking out help and healing. And what was really cool is I was over in Thailand you know, on missions and just really, you know, reaching out to others and helping them. And it got to the point where. You know, Thailand is very, very dark. It's got a lot of, you know, the sexual immorality, the sex slave industry, all that stuff. And I just almost felt like it was pressure to go back into that, that it felt so strong. And I thought, you know, I I need to step away from this just to get out of here. I just, so I knew deep down, so I still needed more healing, more heart, um, like a heart change. And Mark, you were you were in Thailand on a missions trip. Is that correct? Is that yes? Yeah, okay. yeah. I was over there for about three years. Yeah, yeah. So I thought, you know, I need to need to step away, and it, that was the hardest part. Is like, man, I need to step away from this mission right now because I don't want to get sucked back into that lifestyle. You know, because the temptation was so strong there. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, I need to step back. Came back, and it almost felt all those emotions again of, man, I failed. I, you know, let people down, you know, so I really didn't tell people, you know, I said, I just need to have a change, just stepping away from the ministry right now. 
then just uh, get back into healing, mm. which was amazing how coming back to the States and just uh, seeking out that healing and having a good pastor mentor here that reached out and we got some help. And it's really cool to sit down with Matt, you know, was it back in February this year and just really look at the heart issues. What's, what's driving that. And it's so amazing when you just get deep down into the heart issues of where that shame's coming from, where those, you know, looking back at all the experiences, the abuse versus the pressure from dad and all that was like, man, just all make sense. And I was like, man, I need to just turn it all over to God. Yeah. I remember realize that he, realize that he does love me that it, that I am worthy of it for the first time realizing that a father's love for you was was that I, I love it I remember a light bulb moment was when we were talking about you having to leave Thailand early and you had that shame around it that man I was on on in doing ministry here and I had to leave early because I, I was gonna fail again I'm disappointment but right. but we were able to see that actually you made the wise decision to leave. Uh, and flee sexual mm-hmm. temptation and surrender to the Lord in that whereas before you wouldn't have and I remember the light bulb going off for you and just it seemed like all the shame in a moment washed away when you realized that, that God had grown you so that was pretty awesome and I think those moments are really significant Brad I know you had a question or something to say oh I, I was just curious about how God has worked in this in your life in the sense that often when you mentioned a little bit earlier um, how you felt like you're kind of living two lives, two worlds existed, and then they came colliding together um, when when you got arrested. But uh, I'm just curious because often our view of God in those times is he's angry with us. He's distant. He's not there. He's not present. And that you put on this mask saying, yes, I follow Jesus, but you don't really believe it in your heart or you're not really seeing it in your life because you believe something about God, about the way he views you and, He's seeing all the stuff that's happening behind closed doors and you believe these lies that he doesn't love you. He's never going to accept you. Go down the list, right? So I'm so curious how right. for you, the journey and the process, and I know we're all on this, we're on it with you too, in the sense of receiving fully from God. Um, but what does that look like for you to kind of bring the mask down, really let that light, that love, that acceptance wash in? How, is that, how has that worked out for you in your life? And, and maybe just uh, give it a comment on that. Yeah, it's it's been amazing how, man, when you just really pull all that mask down just to get rid of all the secrets and let that light shine in, it's just just amazing how God just shines in and just says, hey, I know what you did. I see it. I know you. I know your story. I know your past. I know everything about you. And hey, I love you. Let's uh, Let's walk together in this. And it's almost like he's there and, you know, you have that Holy Spirit that's in you, that's guiding you and convicting you. I know that's the Holy Spirit was really strong when I was in Thailand where, you know, we need to get out of here and just go out and get away and seek that healing and help. And it's real. what really helps is really sharing with friends. Like I have a couple good friends that I'm accountability partners with and we just share what our struggles are and, our stories and it's just amazing how the one guy never knew he had the same type of story with his father the abuse and how we connected and shared and thought man we're not alone there's other guys struggling there's other ones and that's a big thing with shame it's 
shame once you think, man, you're you're alone. You're the only one dealing with this. You're the only one who's sexually addicted or struggling or sinful, and there's no hope for you. But there is. There's other guys struggling, and it's just amazing when we tell our stories. I mean, I shared my uh, testimony at church a couple weeks ago, and you can have people connecting and say, "Hey, I want to hear more about that." And you know, I know somebody or they themselves have struggled with things, and it's like, man. <laughs> just the light opens that people see that there is hope. That's mm. awesome. Yeah. And I started a quick follow up hey, to Mark. Ahead. Um, often, and I was curious your perspective on this, because often when we, when we're battling maybe sexual addiction or brokenness in this area, we feel like we got to clean up our life first before we can come to God. And you've experienced something yeah. different, obviously. Can you just speak to maybe that? Because I know there's people that listen that maybe are battling that mindset right now. I got to clean my house up. I got to get everything in order before I can come to God, before I can come to Jesus. So maybe just express your experience and what you would say to that. Yeah, I would say, yeah, he's there. He's open. You don't have to clean it up. I mean, just come to him and he walks you through that process. He's there with you. And it is amazing. A couple weeks ago, I watched them. The Heart of Man. I'm not sure if you guys have seen that movie. Yeah, my wife loves that movie. She tells everyone about it. And just, man, just to see the raw testimonies and the stories and how they thought they were alone and just living in shame and the guilt and that they would never be accepted by God or, you know, they felt like those prodigals, the prodigal son that's living in the pig pen. And it's like, man. I had it better back in my father's house. Hmm. Had yeah. to run back to him, and it's really cool. That's awesome. I love people being able to see on the other side of God when uh, you encounter God, you meet God for real in your sin and darkness, and then we can see just you know, like you have a smile on your face. Often you feel lighter, you seem lighter. It's awesome. But back then, I think a lot of us don't understand what's in the mind of someone who's doing this stuff. And so I'm curious for you, like you got arrested at 35 for voyeurism. You talk about with pornography, it had to get worse and worse and worse, get more and more violent. Obviously it, then it came out uh, for you, not just in front of a screen or magazines or whatever, but it was in real life um, with voyeurism. And so would you, like, what was going through your mind? Do you remember that when, when you're doing that, you probably had some awareness, I'm assuming maybe that it was illegal but what was going through your mind? Like what justifications were there to engage in that behavior? Do you remember? I think it, and as we're walking through, uh, through the stories too, with a counselor a while ago, and they, you know, we're walking through that and, you know, those experiences I experienced with that friend back when I was eight, nine years old, it's almost like I just wanted to repeat that, that I wanted to get back into where I was in that, place of you know being very hurt in the home and abused and lost but i felt accepted with that friend he actually paid attention to me and we actually hung out together and but it was destructive when we did it but i just felt felt accepted during that time so it's almost like i was going back and i was wanting to repeat that that i wanted to stay in that place of acceptance and value which i found in in the guys or the closeness there. And um, 
Yeah, so I think that's it, that it's just want to repeat that. and It was like a sense of comfort tell, for you. Yeah, there's that. <laughs> and that's part of it, too, is there's that risk of getting caught. But that's almost like a, oh, how would you say it? It's almost like a thrill. Because like, that's what we thought, too, was, man, we're going to get caught by mom you know, having these sexual situations. Just that it was overridden by just the act itself. Like, mm-hmm. okay, there's that risk. That's almost like, almost like a fantasy too. Like, oh, cool, we could get caught, but hey, we didn't before. So let's just keep going and going. And I mean, there's that risk, but you still then you get to the point where you think, oh, I will never get caught. That you've overridden that, and mm-hmm. yeah. Well, and, and those experiences that you went through in your formative years, um, it's so amazing. I mean, with the stories we've heard and the different things that uh, have been shared um, or to us and what we've heard, you're not alone in, in what you've been through, Mark. Uh, so many out there mm-hmm. have gone through some sort of trauma or abuse, things that happened. And many people never reach out to get help. Um, they stuff it down, they push it down and hope because it happened so long ago that and they never have to revisit again or, or just hide from it. They're running their away from it from their whole life. And um, maybe just speak to that Mark. Cause I know a lot of people, especially, especially when it comes to sexual trauma, they don't want to deal with it. They don't want to relive through that. And uh, but what would you say to that? Cause it sounds like you've done the hard work of revealing these things, talking about it and, and inviting the Holy spirit to work in these areas instead of stuffing it underneath the proverbial rug of your life so that no one will ever look underneath. So just speak to that. You know, what would you say to somebody who maybe has gone through some, some stuff and they don't want to deal with it? It is, it is really worth it to dive into those stories. We have those stories of the hurt of the abuse or the sexual acting out. We have all those stories, but God wants to write a new story that he wants to go in and say, Hey, that's not you. I mean, when we come to Christ, we become a new creation. So we got to rewrite a story. We got to have something new and it's cool. I thought that was going to be the scariest thing is to go back in and look at the abuse and, you know, tell those stories, but it was so freeing just to get into that and realize that it was pain. It was a lot of pain, a lot of stuff happening there, but you know, God is there walking with us as we rewrite those stories that we, it's okay to go in and look at that pain and that hurt and, and even go in and look at why things happen and, you know, to look at that and even get to the point. And I never, I never thought I would forgive my dad. That was something I never thought I would. And an amazing story is I was in Thailand's you know, on missions. And I, you know, came back home one Christmas just to, um, you know, just kind of relax and, you know, do some fundraising. Came home and my dad said, hey, I want to meet up with you to lunch, to have lunch with you. And I thought, oh my gosh, do I want to, do I want to do this? So I agreed to have lunch with him. And for the first time, he told me about his dad his dad was the same way. He's very abusive, very, very strict, didn't show love, was almost a mirror image of what my dad was. Like, wow, that really opened up like, man, this is, there's something to this that, man, he was, 
just doing what his dad did to him. I never met my grandpa, so, but he just opened up and I never saw him open up like that before. Hmm. And just really was able to voice what, what I felt, the pain and the hurt. And, and then it got to the point during those couple of weeks that I was here, I was, got to the point where I could forgive him. I understood what he went through, what his story was. And went back to Thailand about two months later. My mom calls says, well, dad's, dad's in the hospital. Says, oh, man, do I need to come home? Said, no, I'll, I'll keep you posted. And then that next week, I planned to go ahead and fly back home. And I was in Bangkok and got the message from my mom that um, dad passed away. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Wow. I just... I was in tears. I never thought I would just be in so tears of that loss of my dad. I was like, wow, I just felt those emotions. And I'm so grateful that I was able to forgive him and have that moment where he, you know, was reaching out. He said, I need to talk to you. And I said, yes. And that's a big thing is that healing comes from forgiveness as well. Yep. Totally. Totally. That's, that's yeah. incredible. I love that God set that up and that you you took it and that your dad took it. And uh, oh, what a beautiful story. I know too, um, God has opened doors for you to be able to impact other people too, others who have been abused mm-hmm. or others who have, who have uh, you know, not been aware of what happens maybe because you've spoken publicly in your church. I remember, remember one time even there was a person you were talking about um, who had been abused, I thought maybe you could reach out and you were just kind of waiting and you were just, you didn't feel like it was the right time and then they reached out to you. <laughs> you want to speak yeah. to that and just kind of what happened there? Yeah, yeah, I was, um, and I was like, I really need to talk to this person, just tell, tell her kind of about the abuse because I saw her in a situation where she's abused as well and stuff and I felt bad because I didn't, I wasn't there to protect her and stuff and I had a lot of guilt too and I was like man I really need to talk to her and just have been going through this healing process with Matt and telling stories and man I really need to visit with her and so I was going to reach out to this one week and here she ended up calling up saying hey do you want to go have coffee it's like wow here's the here's the opportunity because I haven't talked to her for many years or many months before that it's like let's do and so we sat down and had coffee and you know, share about it was on my heart. And she's like, man, you know, yeah, we've talked about that abuse before, but man, just thank you for just, just opening up and reaching out. And, you know, she was, she also expressed, you know, the forgiveness as well. That, you know, it's, you know, being a one that should have been there to protect wasn't there and understood why. And hmm. I love how God yeah. has just worked healing from all angles in yeah. these stories. Right. Right. Yeah. It's cool how he'll, you know, if there's somebody that you need to forgive, he'll, they'll start coming to mind. It's like, wow. And there's times those opportunities open up. It's like, wow. It's so cool. Yes. Yes, it is. And it's so freeing when we, uh, we engage in that process of forgiveness, um, how powerful the release is, but also how it moves us to a place where we can have hopefully some reconciliation or even repair in some of these broken areas, like with others. Right. So that's incredible. Um, I'm just curious, Mark, uh, kind of your, your last thoughts, if you were to just share with everybody listening out there, what would you like to pass on to them? Because so many people 
have stuff in their life. We all do that. Um, sometimes we feel a lot of hurt or shame or pain around and we don't want to talk about it or we don't think there's hope or we don't know how we're going to move past it. And maybe it's presenting itself through addiction like pornography or masturbation or other things. So based on your story, what you've been through, what would you share to somebody like that who's listening? Um, Cause it's so hopeful hearing your story. Yeah, man, there is hope. <laughs> there is hope. And man, there's times where you don't feel loved or valued or worth it. You are worth it. You are valued. God sees you. He sees you. He knows you. He knows your story. He knows your history. He knows everything about you. And he wants the best for us. He, he loves us. And what really helps help me is really to go through and just meditate on Psalms 51. Just going in that that was David's outcrying that prayer of repentance when he was caught in adultery and even had the guy killed and just all he just poured out his heart to God and just said, Wash me, God, cleanse me. And and he does, he steps in. And it's so cool when we just let that shame wash away that we are valued, we are accepted, we are loved. And then you start reading the scriptures and you realize that it is true, that there is no condemnation, that we are a new creation, that God is for us, that there is hope, that there's people out there that have experienced the same things you have, and they're there. And it's it's so cool when you start praying for those opportunities or to connect with somebody that they'll come into your life. I've even seen that in the mission field where I've had people that have shared the same type of story or testimony and we end up in the same room together or at the same table, you know, in a restaurant somewhere. And it's like, wow. Amazing. So as the orchestrator, he, <laughs> he brings people together that need, need to be brought together. Amazing. Amazing. So you were, you were a young boy, you were lost. You had a father who was abusive and didn't value who you were. You were, abused and violated by a friend you were stuck in porn you got arrested for voyeurism a lot of shame a lot of confusion and now you're free in christ you're fully loved you're accepted and not only are you but you know that and you're living in that and god is using your story just like it says in psalm 51 that it says once we're restored then then david writes then i will teach transgressors your ways sinners will turn back to you and that's what you're doing so Mark, I love you. I love this story. I honor you just in being willing to be vulnerable and and have your story be used by God. So thanks so much for sharing today. Yeah, thank you for this opportunity. All right. Well, have a great week and we'll chat soon. Thanks for listening. If you would like to hear more, please visit purevictorypodcast.com to subscribe. This podcast was made possible by the generous donations of our subscribers. If you would like to help support the cause financially, once again, please visit purevictorypodcast.com.